Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, the one and only Mr. Herzig. How are you, Steve? I am doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. We have, uh, we're back for another podcast. Hey, you've got some fun stuff there. Point that at the camera. That's right. Googly eyes. So, you know, do you feel like that sometimes? Your eyes are, bu- you know, bugging out like that? I, I think Laura Coleman gave me this. Because I need a stress release. That's right. So it, I have to squeeze this. <laughs> so I'm squeezing to the music. There we go. Welcome in, welcome in. Listen, I know if you're listening on the podcast, you're wondering, what are these two loony bins doing? Uh, they got that right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Steve is holding a stress ball, and when you press it, its eyes blow out. And so... You know, it's a, I, I found it on my microphone. I didn't even. I never even asked for it. Didn't know about it. But now I'm into it. You're into it, and that, that was Laura. Laura got that for you, and she said, "I'm going to put it on the uh, microphone for him." So you found it. You were like a kid in the beginning. In Christmas, candy I know you yeah. were. You, you were. What is? What is this? And you were all excited. You started playing with it. You know. Hey, Chris. <laughs> I just bought uh, last week my two of my grandchildren who are o- older. One is uh, ten. And the other is uh, seven, and I bought them adult Happy Meals. Mm. So adult why am I telling you that? Meals. Because I wanted their toy. <laughs> they have adult Happy Meals. They do have adult Happy. I just, That's right. Just, we were talking about this because they're sold out, right? They are. They they can't keep them. They can't keep keep enough of them to satisfy the folks who want them. I didn't hear about them till last week, and I went out and bought two of them for, you could either get a Big Mac in it, or you could get 10 um, chicken McNuggets. Oh, the chicken nuggets. Really? You can get a Big Mac and a Happy Meal? In a Happy Meal with the toy. Does it come with the box and the it whole thing? It comes with the box and the fries and the whole nine yards. I'm telling you, McDonald's is tapping into that market. They, they knew a guy like me <laughs> doesn't would take just much. like, yeah, that's, uh, that's right, and then I'll fight you for whatever the thing is. That's, <laughs> that's right. Hey, I'm the kind of guy that would fight for what's the prize that used to have prizes in cereal. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, a little boat that could float on the water and uh, you use it once and it sinks and all, but all oh, you want it bad. That's why you probably shouldn't go shopping on Black Friday when uh, you know when the stores open I've never at twelve. Gone. Never it's, gone. it's probably a good thing because you'd be in one of those tackle. You know when everyone's tackled and they're on top, <laughs> piling on top of one another to get the cheapest television. You know, seventy inch TV for one hundred and fifty bucks. No, that's just, not me. That's not. Me. Uh, well, probably because it's too late at night too. That's so. right. That's right. Well, anyway, uh, we have a great uh, show lined up for you. We're going to be discussing some important topics actually today. Actually, pretty culturally relevant, Steve. We're going to be talking about Kanye West. Maybe you're not familiar with that name, but he's yay. A, yay. That's right. He was yay. formerly no- <laughs> yay for yay. The yay for yay, even though what yay said isn't uh, something to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, well, we got we're gonna have a lot of uh, opportunities to use Steve's uh is anything y- okay words today. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're gonna talk about Kanye West and his really, I mean, his anti-Semitic remarks that he he's been making. Not just one. I mean, he keeps doubling down. He so. just keeps on giving, yep. and it's not good. No, and you know what? This is the reason we decided to highlight this is because number one, it's culturally relevant. You know, um. Kanye West has is a influencer on social media. He has 48 million followers between two social media platforms. So what he says, people listen to. And I can also let you know, 
that uh, social media is the dark underbelly of anti-Semitism. It's really bad. So he's only tapping into that. We're going to have that discussion because it's relevant, and it's something that we need to talk about so that we can defend the Jewish people. That's right. We're putting an all-points bulletin out against this to all of our six listeners <laughs> That's right. to combat the 48 million that he has. So, so you six better help us out. <laughs> That's a good point. The other 47,999,994. That's right. All right. So anyway, but hey, six can make a difference. We believe it. That's we, right. 12 made a difference, That's didn't right. they? Maybe we'll get to 12 one day, 12 <laughs> listeners. That would be <laughs> that great. Would be amazing. And six of them will write into us. <laughs> complain. <laughs> no, three of them will complain. That's right. Well, anyway, uh, but before we get to Kanye, uh, let's talk about a book that you have here, Steve, that is pretty funny, actually. I, actually, I was doing some uh, mop-up work at, at, at my house. I have two libraries, one here and one at home, and that's because you're a smart man. Oh yeah, right. You're uh, like a Talmudic but, but sage. I, I had not, <laughs> I had not gone through them in a while, and uh, some of my my books actually fell behind the shelf. So I found this one that I. Oh, this had, was behind the shelf. Yeah, it it fell down, uh, and when I saw it, it, you know the way it is, we don't buy a lot of books anymore as a culture. I still buy books, but as a culture. You know, everything's online. We have, uh, you know, our, our smartphones and our pads and our this and our that. But, uh, oh, something binged. That was me. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Steve. I, I Keep thought going. maybe they were calling my attention to something. No, nope. um, it's because it's Kanye knows when, we're about when, to talk about him. <laughs> when I found this book, it brought me such laughter. I remember getting it just because of the title. Did Jew no. Did you know? D-I-D, did, and then Jew, not you, but Jew, G-E-W, and then no. Exactly. And Emily Stone uh, wrote this book in uh, 2012, I believe, and it is just a compilation of facts, information, uh, glib statements, and arranged in such a way that there's, and they teach you with humor, which is a Jewish people, many of them do it so well. So many of the storytellers that are very popular out there are Jewish. And uh, even the way she, as a writing artist, was able to paint a picture. Let me give you an example. Uh, for years, and you too, uh, for us as with Friends of Israel, people ask us about all oh, the various sects within Judaism, Orthodox, Conservative, Reform. And you try to explain, like just this morning I was talking to a a person who was telling me that they were kind of shocked. They went to a, a synagogue to visit, and there was a female rabbi. Well, that's not unusual anymore. Reformed Judaism came in the late 1800s out of Germany, mm -hmm. uh, and it is, it's been allowed to, to grow, if you will, and widen as far as what is reform to the Reformed Judaism. And not all Orthodox think Reformed Jews are Jewish people. Uh, well, they think they're Jewish people, but not a part oh, of it. I used the... to call Reformed Jewish people Goyim. Yeah. The, the Goys? That, how could you be that way? And et cetera. Yeah. So I just want to read this because this is just a small a sample. Uh, so if you ever see this book or you go online, again, it's called Did You Know? It's Emily Stone, uh, Chapter 2. Jewier than thou, Hasidic to reform and everything in between. That's the title. That's the title of chapter two. That's humorous to me. I think to her too, and it's just interesting. So here's a little quip that she wrote: At an Orthodox wedding, the mother of the bride may be pregnant, 
That's true. It's very 12, true. 13 kids in a Hasidic family, very common. Uh, Steve, I did, in the book that I have coming out, I did a section on the chief of staff for President Reuven Rivlin, who was an Orthodox woman, and I think she had 13 children and, like, uh, you know, however many grandchildren already. And I think her one daughter was getting—and she just had another child, and, um, and but she was traveling the world as an Orthodox Jewish woman— uh, she didn't have a maid or anything like that at home. She did all of her own stuff, but she met all the world leaders because of being with the president of Israel. But you're, it's right. If she, she's pregnant and her, her kids are it's, giving birth to their kids. It's not you know? uncommon to have a grant in a Hasidic family, a grandchild older than the child. Yes. It's not uncommon. So the first line is at an Orthodox wedding, the mother of the bride may be pregnant at a conservative wedding. The bride may be pregnant. At a reform wedding, the rabbi may be pregnant. <laughs> At a reconstructionist, and a reconstructionist, Chris, you and I know, is really a step towards humanistic Judaism, where God isn't even the central yeah. part of it. Probably even more progressive, if anything. Very yeah. progressive. At a re- reconstructionist wedding, the groom may be pregnant. Yeah, that's now, <laughs> I, I don't want to make a joke out, out, out of where our culture is. But this was written in 2013, Chris. Wow. I didn't realize it was that old. Ten years ago. Uh, not qu- About tw- ten years ago. And already. So it's just interesting, especially for those six of our listeners, which I always joke, are probably believers because they, they heard about it from us. Uh, this is outlandish, the culture we're living in. And it's, it makes us weep. And we want to pray for our leaders and pray for people who are going through these kinds of struggles. But in a, I got to hand it to her in a very humorous way. And in a short little uh, three lines in yep. this book, she just summarized the vast difference between Hasidic Judaism and the most liberal or progressive uh, people who would identify themselves as Jewish. We Again, we have atheist Jews as well. Yeah. They're Jewish, but these are people who in some sense practice their Judaism. And the last one is just outlandish where the groom could be pregnant. Yeah, no, and I didn't realize that was nine years old. That's, uh, that's crazy. I mean, that's, uh, you know, to think that oh, 10 years old almost, and that she's talking about that you know, the idea that the groom could be pregnant back yep. then. That's yep. wild. To think that about. is wild. That, if, I, I encourage our listeners to get a hold of the co- a copy of that if they can. Uh, I haven't checked on Amazon or anything, but I think I'm sure it's, it's on there. there yeah, it, is. So, it is on there. I saw it. Okay. There are so many different things that are in that book that just give you great insight. Use of Yiddish. We yeah. use Yiddish. There are all kinds of Yiddish words. And uh, we just heard a new Yiddish word. Today, Chris, at we, Chapel, I, it was great. Yeah, we have our our weekly Friends of Israel Chapel and uh, our friends, the Bergs, who actually, they put us to shame when it comes to Yiddish, Steve. I mean, I knew you grew you grew up in a Yiddish kite family, but I know what, what the Bergs know are just, you know, they go to classes, they teach classes. They teach classes. Yeah. Oh, they, they, were, they were great. Yachitz. That's right. Yeah. Which which means like uh, the your your inheritance or your your family line or it's very oh, very important. L- look who I'm the son of, and in my line I've got uh, this person and that person, and they gave a wonderful biblical illustration of the apostle Paul, who was outlining again with that kind of Jewish kepi, that Jewish head was saying, "Look, I'm a Benjamite, I'm a Pharisee, yep, uh, 
I ha- I'm a teacher. I do all these things. He was and showing he, his family line and his uh, and, his credentials. And then he says it's all rubbish mm-hmm. in comparison to Christ. That's right. That was they drove home that point. I thought that was an excellent point. It's a reminder. God puts us in our place. We need to be put in our place, and it's a good place to be put. Yep. I would. I. I would. I'd love to be a servant in the house of the Lord, right? That's exactly. A slave for him. Well, uh, if you want to get the copy, a copy of Did You Know, okay? <laughs> Don't look up Did You Know. It's not you. It's Did You Know. Uh, you can go to Amazon.com, and st- it's just got a bunch We get of great... nothing from this, by yeah, the way. This is I, just, I, Steve came in all excited this morning about the book, and we talked about it, so we wanted to share it with you. So Did You Know. All right, Steve, let's uh, go ahead and um, move over to uh, our, you know, Kanye West, uh, the rapper uh, and and social media influencer uh, had to say about Jewish. You know, people. Chris, this has been going on for the last week or two, where he's been making the news, and this is kind of sad. Uh, that and yet it drives me home to be able to actually identify with my grandparents. Yeah, this actually helps me identify because. Uh, Probably when my dad was, uh, and for sure, my dad was born in 1920. Uh, Adolf Hitler rose to power in 1933, so he would have been a bar mitzvah boy at that time in America. Uh, But my grandparents who left before all this stuff happened but were from Eastern Europe and knew what persecution was, uh, probably reading the American newspapers and the Yiddish newspapers, which they read, uh, about what Adolf Hitler was doing the kinds of things he was saying in the early 30s before he even came uh, to the Reichstag and into power. Uh, We're reading similar kinds of things. That's right. uh, Again, or I could take you to the middle uh, to the Middle Ages, uh, where we've talked as as a, a a group of folks with friends of Israel about Martin Luther and the kind of writing he had about the Jewish people and the misconceptions about them and the stereotyping that they had, incorporating in his writing religiously, Adolf Hitler picked up and used. And now we have, fast forward to 2022, we're almost at the end of 2022, and there's the article that you found, Five of Kanye West's anti-Semitic remarks explained. Yeah, and these this is actually a little bit old. This is a couple days old. I think he's added more to it. It could be 10 now. But the the Steve, can I can I say th- there's a lot of times, you know, people highlight anti-Semitic remarks that someone says, but you know, then they walk them back because maybe they realize ah, I went too far or something. That what why we're highlighting Kanye West is not because he made a mistake. It's because he keeps doubling down on it and he keeps pushing it forward and he keeps uh, highlighting uh, very anti-Semitic tropes, tropes that are used against Jewish people that were used during the Holocaust and even used prior to the Holocaust. Because, you know, you're even talking about your father being a bar mitzvah boy uh, as Hitler was rising to power. But Hitler was only probably repeating a lot of the things that people were already saying at that time 100%. about the Jewish people. He wasn't isolating an individual Jewish person that maybe, you know, uh, he didn't like or uh, a particular company. It's a blatant—it's anti-Semitic because he's labeling the entire Jewish race as the problem, and look, that's what that's what we're going to talk about with Kanye West. Chris, look, people say things that the, the more you talk, the more opportunity there is to make a mistake. 
Everybody's entitled Been to there. a mistake. Yep. We've all put our foot in our mouth. That's why when a politician, they you know, they you follow the president around, you follow a senator, whoever it is, they're always in the public. They're making statements. People are looking to get them, and they they do, and then they blast it everywhere. That's that's a mistake. But you're right when it's over and over, and you're given an opportunity to explain and to walk back. Somebody will say, "Hey, I heard you say this. Is there anything you'd like to say as as this already got out?" And then you double down on it. Yep, it's crazy, and it is important. Look, have I ever been ripped off by a Jewish person? Yep, I have. Have I ever been ripped off by a Gentile person? Yep, I have. Mm-hmm. Have I ever been ripped off by a Christian? Yep, I have. Which means, first of all, I'm not too bright because I've been <laughs> ripped off three different <laughs> I know. times. That's I'm, a good point. Yeah. Maybe we should maybe we should give you some training. Yeah, I need help. <laughs> I need help. But the point is there are individuals uh, of all persuasions, all colors, male and female, there's people out there. We're all sinners, and some, and some of that comes out in all different groups. Mm-hmm. But to make the assertion that that is because they're in a group, that becomes a problem. Yep. So let's ta- let, let, let's let's uh, highlight um, the five quotes from Kanye, which, like I said, I think there are more. But the first is this, Steve. Um, it says this. I per- he wrote he said this during an interview with Fox News' Tucker Carlson. He said that he would prefer to send his uh, he prefer my I prefer he said I prefer my kids' new Hanukkah from Kwanzaa. At least it will come with some financial engineering. This to me is one of the quintessential um, statements uh, when it comes to anti-Semitism, which is uh, like we talked about before, Jewish people. Uh, control the money. They control the uh, the banks, and it's somehow built in their DNA. Yeah, it's who you are as an individual, and but it's even more in the, than that. It's it's yeah, it's built into your DNA. Because look, he goes, I'd prefer them to learn Hanukkah than Kwanzaa, which means it's you know Hanukkah. And, and he says engineering. Yeah, and he uses that word engineering. And so you know that again, th- this is just a very basic trope. And again, notice he's he's actually labeling the entire Jewish culture that way. By Hanukkah is connected to the Jewish culture. It's not like we're again we're talking about an individual. We're talking about the entire culture of the Jewish people. And I'd prefer him to learn Hanukkah than Kwanzaa, you know, uh, b- uh, b- because it comes with some financial engineering. It it is really a shame because context. We always say in Friends of Israel, context is everything as it relates to interpreting Scripture. So the first thing you have to ask if he's bringing up Kwanzaa, which quite frankly I don't know a lot about. I I know it's a relatively recent uh, a day that is uh, set aside by a group of people. But Hanukkah has been around since the intertestamental period, which, by the way, is what you're teaching. Uh, tomorrow will be your last of three That's meetings right. on Equip, mm-hmm. which sponsors uh, this program, which is the Jew and the Gentile podcast. And so, uh, but Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah is a celebration of the preservation of the Jewish people, of uh, lighting the candles as a miracle that took place when the uh, the temple was uh, desecrated. It had nothing. It has nothing to do. It might be celebrated that way, but just as Christmas has really uh, does not the celebration of Christ's birth doesn't provide. Uh, 
where we have to give gifts. We celebrate Christ's birth, and some people express it by giving gifts. Hanukkah is the same way. We celebrate that uh, that the the lights of Hanukkah, which remind us of what happened uh, in the intertestamental period and how the Maccabee, pe- uh, Maccabee family helped to save our people and were preserved, and yet he doesn't do that. No. It becomes it becomes uh, greed oriented. It becomes a money issue, That's which right. is a central to the anti-Semitic thing. Um, you know, uh, the ADL wrote against this and said the theme of greed is common in anti-Semitic rhetoric and fuels Jewish stereotypes such as being excessively materialistic and money oriented, exploiting others for personal gain, and being overly wealthy and controlling the world's finances. So. You know, he labeled the entire culture that way. But it's funny, though, because, you know, he used Hanukkah as a way to get there. But, you know, like you were trying to say, hey, you know, I've been ripped off by a Jewish guy, but I've also been ripped off by a Gentile and a Christian. You know, and you think about here he's using Hanukkah to talk about the financial engineering behind it. I would say Christmas is even more of a greed-oriented holiday these days. We don't even put—I mean, you have to pull Christ out of Christmas to emphasize it because you're so busy, like we were talking about before, with Black Friday after Thanksgiving, people tackling one another in stores to buy TVs, and it's all its all about materialism. And that's not even connected to Hanukkah. That's thats Christmas. That's Christians that are supposed to be worshiping the Lord, but they're, you know, they're ingrained to think, what am I getting for Christmas this year? You well, know? well, you know, Chris, uh, you read number one, and our discussion is just bleeding— into number two, and I don't want to jump the gun, but it really does cross, as as you read, he's, the second thing he said is, I just think that what they're about, oh boy, yeah. what they're about is taken right out of the book of Esther. That's, right yes. <laughs> out of the book of Esther, where Haman goes to King Ahasuerus and he says, oh king, there's a certain People. people. That's right. Oh, king. They don't a, follow your laws. They don't eat like us. They don't dress like us. Yep. They're, and it's not even expedient for you to have, and it's not worth it. Yep. It's not even worth it. These people are worthless. They're doing nothing but dragging you down. There's this certain people. So what does he say? That's what they're about is making money. Yep. Well, he sure hasn't looked at my bank account. I'm Jewish. <laughs> And I got bupkis. <laughs> you know why he said that, too? He said that in light of a comment out of nowhere with Tucker Carlson. And you know what I give credit to Tucker Carlson for doing in, in this Fox News? I think a lot of people would go, shut this interview down. Shut it down. You know, Tucker let Kanye talk, which he, he let him open his mouth. And, you know, I actually think we live in a culture where we want to cancel people. No, I'm glad he let him talk because it it tells us really who he is. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but Kanye wants to run for president in 2024. I did not yes. know that. Now, I, of course, I'm, I'm sure his... Uh, well, he, 2% of the population isn't voting for him now, <laughs> I can tell you right now. But the, uh, the idea, though, is that he was questioning Jared Kushner, who was Donald Trump's son-in-law and also— uh, Is Donald oh, Trump. Sorry, sorry, is Donald Trump's son-in-law, but he was his, his advisor, his national uh, advisor as well. And he helped orchestrate the Abraham Accords, which also that sealed up relationships between Israel and the Arab nations, helped move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Um, uh, so Jared Kushner did that, and, and Kanye West questioned on the Tucker Carlson show— 
He questioned Jared Kushner's motives. He thinks it's all money. Look, he, that's why he said, I just think that what they're all about, the Jewish people, is making money in reference to the fact that Jared Kushner just wants to make money. And that's why he cr- created these peace deals or helped form these f- peace deals between Arab nations and Israel. Isn't it interesting, Chris, that in this article, which, by the way, you're posting a link uh, for folks who Correct. get this. And I think it's important because it says, again, this statement is part of the anti-Semitic theme of greed, as just as you said. Now, let's go back biblically. We're the Jew and the Gentile podcast. There's a third person here, but there's two of them here in, in me, and that is I'm Jewish, but I'm also a believer. So it's the Jew, the Gentile, and we're both uh, the the Jew and the Gentile. <laughs> Sorry, my You're going back to the, the Jew and the Gentile, and we're both Christians. That's right. As Christians, I'm sure our listeners would agree, all have sinned and fall short of the God, glory of God. We're all greed. We're all guilty of greed. We're sinful. Mm-hmm. This isn't a—we didn't write the book on greed. Uh, that happened before there was one Jewish person on the planet. We're sinners. Mm-hmm. And yet what we're ta- what Kanye is talking about is a real problem amongst all human beings. Uh, the, the centerpiece of money, the idea of getting all you can, uh, th- all that is, is not limited to just one group of people. We could say women are greedy, men are greedy, blacks are greedy, whites are greedy, uh, those who had slanty eyes are greedy, and those not. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, all, every group, everywhere is a sinner, and greed is part of that. It's a symptom of the main problem. And yet, it's a shame because Kanye, or Ye, mm-hmm. uh, says it's unique to the—it's in their blood. Yeah. Well, no, it's in all of our blood. It's a, it's a really great point. And you know what's amazing, too, is that he takes uh, something that politicians wish they could have done over the years, which is create peace— between Israel and the Arab nations. That's something— You're talking about Jared. I'm talking about Jared Kushner and the Trump administration did something that didn't—I don't think got lauded enough. 100%. Which is, you know, you had people like the Clinton administration and the Bush administration and all these administrations of the past that have tried their hardest to create peace in the Middle East. And here, Jared Kushner was able to help push that along, and it ends up something good that is still working. Notice, it's it's not like it died with the Trump administration— the, the the Abraham Accords are still functioning today under the Biden, a Democratic administration. They're still working for the Middle East. And yet Kanye turns it, a good thing, into an anti-Semitic uh, uh, thing. So well, You know, Chris, you, you were commenting about past administrations. I go far so far as to say they were afraid to try to really address the Middle East because they said it's too big of a security problem. Moving Jerusalem, for instance— uh, from Tel Aviv to where it belongs in Jerusalem. Oh, we can't do that. It'll create a war. And it didn't matter if you were Democrat or Republican. They didn't even want to address it. Not only was it addressed, but as you just said, there's prosperity. Yeah. There is no war. In fact, right now, as we have our podcast, there's actually more angst with the Middle East over oil, believe it or not, then there, Israel isn't even the issue. That's right. So this administration has had difficulty over oil, not over, not not oh, over the Middle East situation yeah, not at all. The Israeli it's very interesting. They were yeah. afraid of it. Uh, look, whatever you think of then President Trump or Kushner, 
That was something they said they would address. It's addressed, and right now, that's not a problem. It's not even a problem yeah. politically. But the, you know, the question is: Let's say Jared Kushner wasn't Jewish. Would Kanye have brought that up? Would would it, would it have become? I don't think he would have. I agree with you. I, I agree with it's you. It's because he's Jewish, and so anyway, uh, that's just an interesting thing to think about. So, as so well. then we go to number three, Chris. I want you to read it. I'll just start. When I say Jew, yes, <laughs> I don't know how he's. I I don't have his voice even. I don't know that much how he sounds. But I just saw this line. When I say Jew, and then, <laughs> and then what does he say, Chris? He says, "I mean." The 12 lost tribes of Judah, the blood of Christ, who the people know as the black, uh, uh, as the race black really are. This is who our people are. You know, this was his way of getting out of being called anti-Semitic, is that he actually converted, or not converted, he actually diverted and said, you can't call me anti-Semitic because I'm actually the true Jewish person. Um, You know, so you can't label me anti-Semitic because I'm... I'm a Jew, so a Jew can't get mad at a Jew for for talking about other Jewish. But then he puts down those other Jewish people, and this all stems from this um, uh, Hebrew black Hebrew Israelite group, um, BHI, as they as you can you can label them, black uh, Hebrew Israelite group uh, that are actually they put down a lot of what the tenets of Judaism are, um, and they highlight themselves as the true Israel race. Um, and notice what he does here, because it's almost a unique, it's a radical form of replacement theology, Steve, because he says, when I meet, say Jew, I mean the lost tw- uh, uh, the 12 lost tribes of Judah, which makes no sense, 12 lost tribes of Judah, the, the blood of Christ, what do you, okay, who the people uh, known as the black, uh, as the race black really are, this is who our people are. So he's identifying himself as a, as a Jewish person which try, he's trying to get away from. You can't call me anti-Semitic then. Well, in fact, in the article itself, it says, this echoed a long-standing anti-Semitic trope common among black supremacists mm-hmm. that claims white Jews are not the real Jews. Instead, these black supremacists alleged without evidence that Jews are imposters who have stolen the identity and birthright. I wish they would have done it before the Holocaust. That would have been a, a very big thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are Jewish. Hitler did not think that about, about your family. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so it says, uh, according to this conspiracy theory, the descendants of the 12 Hebrew tribes of Israel settled across Africa after the destruction of the kingdom of Israel and eventually were sold into slavery. Look, there's no question that there's an element of history where blacks have been persecuted, there, and that's a whole separate subject. But the idea of Jewish history, Israeli history, biblical history, there's a people. In fact, the verse that you wanted us to center on, because after all, we're biblically based here, we're bringing up Kanye West. And so, Chris, I want you to read uh, for us the the foundational statement so that the things we're talking about are based not on our opinion, but are going to be based on the foundation of the text. It's found in Genesis. Why don't you read it for us? Genesis 12, 3, God says to Abram at that time, a foundational promise to the Jewish and people. And where's Abraham live? Right. It, you mean when he's moved? He's, he's when in he, Ur. When God calls him. Yeah, he's yeah. in Ur and Haran. So he's, he's not even in the promised land yet. 
And he's not in, that's not Africa, as far as I know. That, that's right. It's, a, it's the Middle East. And so he says this, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth... On the, uh, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's the, pro- the, the God makes a promise to Abraham. Abraham, if you follow me, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a big family, and I'm going to be a blessing to you. I'm going to bless you by making your name great. I'm going to bless you by protecting you, and you're going to be a blessing because all the families of the earth will come to know me through your family line. And so this this is a promise that God makes, but the part of the promise is protection that God would preserve his people. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And it's interesting because that Hebrew word for curse in there, Steve, is actually two different Hebrew words. It should actually read, and the New English translation does a great job of showing this, it should actually read, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who takes this lightly, I will curse. Which means, you. It's a lot of times I think we think of, you know, like Kanye West, cursing the Jewish people. He's cursing them. He's telling them, these people are greedy. They they have uh, the, uh, uh, um, ill will toward everybody. They suppress people. You know, uh, he talks a lot about the fact that as being a black man, he believes Jewish people have suppressed him and used him and manipulated him and all of this stuff. And so, you know, uh, the, the idea, though, in the promise is that God's saying to the to the Jewish people, anybody who takes this promise I make to you lightly, it's not even a fact that they have to curse you or spit on you or punch you. They just have to take it lightly, the promise, I will curse them. That's how much God values this promise to his people. And that's quite a promise and a really all-points bulletin to the person who does that. Uh, so we need to pray for Kanye. Yep, we definitely. We need to pray for him because he's... For whatever his purpose, he's going to—he's going all out on attacking God's chosen people, and uh, we don't know how God's going to respond. In what way God is going to respond to that? And I feel bad for him. Yep. Uh, and this is just another what he's—you know—we have different ways of looking at replacement theology, Steve. Replacement theology basically says that the promises that were made to the Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, be either become the church's promises today, you know, they the church basically becomes Israel, replaces Israel. Well, here it almost sounds like Kanye is saying, I am Israel. The 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 African American race is Israel. That's replacement theology. In fact, we know from DNA records that even Ashkenazi Jews that live, he's talking about those white Jews from from Europe. They did DNA testing. They all root back to the Middle East. They all go back. So whatever their themes are of race in their head are just skewed, and it's coming up here in, in how they understand. It, it's replacement theology on a racial level. Well, you know, Chris, uh, I just talked about the fact that uh, Genesis chapter 12 talks about we got to pray for him because this is serious. He He agrees. Number four, let me read it. Quote, this ain't a game. I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. I told you this is war. Now, gone get you some business. <laughs> I don't know what that last sentence means. But you're I, so, Steve, you're so gangster. I like it. You know? <laughs> I, this is his talk. I know. Not just mine. <laughs> but he said, I told you this is war. The problem is, Mr. West. You're at war with God. Yeah, exactly. And that's, hey, that should make the hair on the back of our neck, if you have it, stand. Because I said, we should pray for him. Mm-hmm. He understands he's in a battle. 
I think he thinks he's in a battle against Jewish people. He does. But in reality, he's in a battle against the living God. And I fear for the person who falls into the hands of the living God. You know, I don't know if you—that was a a text, I believe, that he um, texts to another um, social media influencer and very successful musician named Sean Diddy Combs. And um, Sean, uh, 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 he basically was saying to Kanye, you got to stop with this stuff. This is out of control. Like, you're you're losing your mind. And he said, oh, you're you're basically— you're just defending the Jewish people. That's why he said this ain't a game. That this is what he's texting back to the rapper that's telling him, "Yo, you got you have to stop this stuff." He said, "This ain't a game. I'm going to use you as an example," which is what he did. I think he posted this his text message with him. He says, "I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me." So he thinks Jewish people are influencing other artists to call him and say, yo, you, you have to stop this. And and he's going, I'm going to show, you know, so he's blaming Jewish people for having a spat with his friend, which again comes into these tropes that the idea that Jewish people control the media, they control the banks. They're even controlling my friends that are telling, you know, that they're saying you better get him to stop doing this because uh, um, he's going crazy. Uh, but that's not the case. I, I highly doubt Jewish people are calling uh uh, Sean Diddy Combs and saying, "Hey, you should talk to Kanye because the Jewish the Jewish community's not happy with him." You know, interesting because I, w- I want to read number five, Chris, because I don't know the context of. Uh, I'm just reading the article, and it's kind. Of, he says, "I'm a this bit is, sleepy." This is what he tweeted out a couple oh, days okay, ago. Okay, thanks for the context here. I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going to DefCon three on the Jewish people. <laughs> What does what does that mean? The funny thing is, he says, I'm a- I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone whoever oppresses your agenda. That must be his text back to. Uh, no, that's what he tweeted after the the um the show that he did with Tucker Carlson. Oh, okay. And he said, "I'm going full." I think it was supposed to be DefCon three. Def, it says, "I'm going DefCon three on Jewish people." That's right. And so he called out all of the Jewish people and said, "But then Twitter yay. Twitter banned him and Instagram banned him and from his 48 million followers after he posted that." So he's off Twitter. Or that just that tweet. I don't know if he's back on or not, but they banned him after that because they saw the the writing on the wall. That, so it is amazing. As I as we started this discussion, it uh, I, I thought I'd never I, I never dreamed that I would see the day that in the United States of America I could identify with reading uh, headlines that my grandparents read of their homeland uh, in Poland uh, and in Eastern Europe and. Uh, and Germany uh, now. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's a different messenger uh, person's not in politics, but as you said, he's an influencer of 48 million people, mm-hmm. and I certainly wouldn't say all 48 million agree with him. They're just interested in what he has to say. Uh, but nonetheless, it's scary to think that some of these people will be influenced by him as he states these terrible lies about the Jewish people. Can I add to um, this is, first of all, it's a bit of a conundrum, too, because Kanye West a few years ago has come out as, he says, a very strong Christian. He's kind of abandoned what he says is the ways of his past, 
and he's trying to raise his kids to be Christian kids, you know, and all of this. He did a Christian album, um, which, you know, he, he was definitely it's everybody in the Christian world was looking over and saying, you know, oh, look at Kanye West has uh, made a change. A lot of evangelical Christians have gravitated to him. Um, even uh, Candace Owens uh, has gravitated to him and uh, and other people have gravitated to his uh, more even his evangelical, you know, beliefs that he says he has in, in the Lord. Um, but it's interesting because this doesn't sound like a Christian speaking at all. Uh, we do know from the past, as we were just talking about Martin Luther, he had, as a Christian, uh, moments of anti-Semitism. Um, and so, you know, I'm hoping that maybe somebody gets a hold of him who is someone he trusts as a Christian, because I know that there were very strong Christians that were around him and could kind of shake him up a little bit and say, you know, you're speaking out against God's chosen people. And that's what, we, look, we pray for him. Uh, we should pray for him, as we should pray for anyone, and we should show the love of Christ to him. But when there's untruth, we especially, we at Friends of Israel, we stand up against anti-Semitism. That's part of our our DNA. And when someone, whoever that is, would speak incorrectly about the Jewish people as a people. Again, I'm not interested in defending some uh, Jewish person who has offended or has done something to another person. That person should, that Jewish person stands on their own as a human being, not representing the Jewish community. But I go back to the book of Esther, Chris. Yeah. Uh, that's what Haman did. He said, there's these people and you got to kill them. Yep. In fact, I'll pay you money if you get rid of them. And the whole book of Esther is there. And there's something else, Chris, as we talk about this, some of our listeners might even think, well, where is God in all this? How could this be? Here you quote, uh, Chris, you quote uh, Genesis chapter 12, and God talks about preserving them. And look at this kind of talk, and it creates hate. How, how does this work? Well, in the book of Esther, try to find the name of God during the whole story. Yep, not there. And you won't find him there. And I'd submit to you, Chris, he was there all the Mm -hmm. time. And as we talk about this, it breaks our heart to read about these things and to think about people who value these statements. But God, don't discount God. If a person's going to go against war, is going to fight a war against God, uh, Satan being one of them, and I believe anti-Semitism at its root is satanic, uh, you better believe God's going to be the victor at his time, his place, and he'll hap- it will happen his way. That's right. Well, uh, Steve, um, I don't know if our listeners know this or not, but you and I are regular contributors to Israel My Glory magazine, and I get the great privilege of writing the, um, the editorial every issue. And I just finished an editorial, and it has to do with this that we just talked about, and I thought maybe I'd I'd read a little bit right now. Oh, give a, a little before a little, it comes out. Yeah, but it's don't not go- tell anybody. That's I won't say a thing. Don't worry. Only <laughs> only six people are listening. So, but it, I wrote this. Um, it's, it has to do with Kanye, but it also has to do with the dark underbelly of anti-Semitism that's on social media, which he's just playing into. But I wrote this. Kanye didn't invent Jew hatred on social media. It's long been a problem that plagues these ge- uh, giant tech companies. West is just adding fuel to the fire that's already burning. A study tracking anti-Semitic posts on Twitter between May 7th and May 14th, 2021, that's just seven days, found that in one week there were more than 17,000 tweets 
that used variations of the phrase, quote, Hitler was right. Also, the hashtag COVID-1948 was also used to connect the birth of the state of Israel in 1948 to the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic. And maybe you're reading this article and you're thinking to yourself, what does this have to do with me? I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. That might be true of you, but social media is the latest aggregate of news and information for teenagers and adults. It's not just teenagers. It's adults, too. The Pew Research poll found that 43% of 18 to 29-year-olds get their news from Twitter, 38% between the ages of 30 and 50. Think about that. Social media platforms are also influential in the spread of Holocaust denial. We can no longer assume students are learning the truth about the Holocaust in their schools. Social media is filling the void of Holocaust education, and what's being taught isn't always the truth. A recent study found that 19% of Holocaust-related content on Twitter promotes Holocaust denial and distortion. 17% on TikTok, 8% on Facebook, 3% on Instagram. So, Social media, you know, Kanye West is coming into this on social media. He didn't invent this. He he's didn't feeding into it. He's just feeding into something that I, if you ever get a chance, and I mean this, if you're listening, go on. So whenever you watch a video on YouTube, and I know our listeners go on YouTube because we see them on YouTube all the time. Um, when you go on YouTube, if you watch something about Israel, go and there's a lot of comments. Scroll the comments. You'll see anti-Semitism in the comments. You'll see anti-Semitism if it highlights somebody who's you know Jewish and there's a lot of views. There's always anti-Semitism that's just right there. It's blatant, but people have ignored it, and I don't think we can ignore it any longer. And Kanye's only playing into the the the, the fact that we've got to deal with this issue. You know, Chris, we don't often do this on our podcast, but I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, Ordinary for us, but not on the podcast, and that's take a moment to pray for Kanye and for the Jewish people and for uh, the battle against anti-Semitism. Yeah, let's do it. Father, I want to thank you um, for the opportunity to have a voice, and uh, we live in a country where everybody's voice can be heard, and I know Kanye has a very large voice on social media and through different media magazines and things of that nature, and so, Lord, I just pray right now that you would convict him in some way, uh, and that you would get a hold of him to recognize that the words that he sa- that he is saying is wrong. They're against your chosen people, uh, they're, which means they're against you. And that he would wake up to the reality that the words that he's saying could actually incite violence. Lord, I know that the statistics are there. Two Jewish people only make up two percent of the U.S. population, but yet sixty percent of hate crimes in the United States are directed toward them which means that his words actually do matter, and they could create violence. So, Lord, we just pray for him right now, and we pray that he would wake up to the truth, because it's truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of your love for your chosen people, the Jewish people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chris. You know, that's our opportunity, something so negative. We have the opportunity, which we just demonstrated, to do the Christ-like thing. That's right. To pray for those, you know, when Jesus... Right, right before he died, he said, Father, forgive them, mm. for they know not what they do. This was mankind, all of mankind, uh, in one event, uh, slaying the promised one, the seed of the woman, the one that, w- that the Jewish people waited for. Uh, and yet his la- near his last words were, 
Lord, forgive them. Right. And so we want to pray for those who would hold this kind of hate for uh, uh for for the Jewish people. But that segues into news. It's true, but can, before we get to the news, can I just say like you said earlier that FOI Equip sponsors the Oh, Jew- please do. We're it's- excited about Equip and your third and final intertestamental uh class and boy Chris, I hear uh good stories about how the class is going and uh rejoice that uh really I remember having that course uh and it didn't create back in my day a lot of vibe. It, it uh, there wasn't a lot of interest in it, um, but now there is, and mm-hmm. I find I find that interesting and helpful. We have seven hundred and twenty people that have registered for the class so far, which is very exciting. We've had a great class turnout on Thursday nights, which you're all invited to if you're listening and you've never been a part of a FOI equip class. The FOI FOI equip is the is the uh, what actually sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. So thank you to all of our equippers who help make that possible. Um, uh, FOI equip is your way to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Steve, can I? You know what I decided to do with FOI equip. This this fall because we have such a great fall winter lineup. Uh, on on uh, November second, um, we're having a thank God for Israel Day on Wednesday, November second. Tim 2nd. Munger, mm-hmm. I'm so glad Tim has done so many of these, and I think this is his second one online, but first for Equip. That's right. So he's doing a Thank God for Israel Day. Then we have Zionism on November 10th and 17th. Paul Pierce. With Paul Pierce. I just talked with Paul. He is excited. Yep, he's doing Zionism. And then we have a guest lecture, an FOI equipped guest lecture with none other than David Brog, um, who is going to come on. David Brog was the is the former executive director for Kufi, Christians United for Israel. Um, and he does so much in the political world and the Christian Zionism, Zionism world. He's going to talk about the influence of Christian Zionism and and their support for the state of Israel. But you know what? When I looked out over this, thank God for Israel Day that Tim's doing, and he's having Daryl Heading come on, who is the uh, the deputy chief for the ICEJ, the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem. So when I looked at Daryl's coming, Daryl Heading's coming on. Paul Pierce is teaching about Zionism. David Brog, who's a part of Christian Zionists, uh, uh, Christians United for Israel. The only thing I kept thinking is this all has to do with Christians supporting Israel. Christians. So instead of labeling every class, I've actually decided to do the whole entire fall based around the theme of Christian support for Israel. And Genius. So you, Genius. You, you're going to hopefully, if you sign up by going to foiequip.org, pretty soon an email will come out to you that will give you the opportunity to sign up for all three classes, or you can choose whichever one you want to go to. But again, uh, we want you to come engage and meet like-minded Christians. Uh, that's what's so encouraging to me, Steve, whenever I get on and we see all the people who who are hundreds of people who are coming on to learn about intertestamental history from around the world. They all love Israel and the Jewish people. And so you can go to foiequip.org to, to sign up, get, get, your, get your name on that mailing list, and we'll get you information. Again, that's foiequip.org. Steve, the news. Oh, the news. I love this. Uh, it's from No Camels. Uh, Israeli Innovation News. So it's called No Camels. We use uh, that as a resource uh, for our writing and for, I know you use it for radio as mm-hmm. well as uh, here for the podcast. And as I look at it, it, it is the headline is, Israeli scientists teach bacteria to preserve food safety. So we're educating bacteria. Where else but in America that, can you, or, but in, in Israel. Israel. And it is, sorry, where else but in Israel 
Can we educate bacteria to create a healthy alternative to chemical food preservatives? What a interesting development. I guess you could say that what their goal is is to make all food organic. And by doing because it really is the idea of getting rid of all those chemical preservatives. We have a colleague here at Friends of Israel that Steve and I love to pieces and um and he is really serious about the food that he eats. He does he does not he does not like getting into foods that have uh, certain preservatives in them, and he talks about the dangers of them. And I listen to him all the time. And Steve, I respect everything he says, but I still go get my McDonald's Happy Meal, adult Happy Meal. So I'm sorry to our colleague, but either way, I know this is probably something that would make him happy because it would make food preservation um, organic. Well, in fact, Chris, in the article it says food manufacturers around the world use synthetic antibacterial agents to destroy bacteria or prevent mold growth. Bontica, B-O-U-N-T-I-C-A, that's the uh, name of this, does the same thing by fermenting, here's the key word, organic matter into tasteless powder or liquid that is added to food in tiny amounts. So Mm -hmm. just as you stated, those people who are into organic, and boy, there's whole sections in, in grocery stores and other organic everything if it's organic oh it's got to be good and that's what Israel's doing to make sure that they could get rid of the bacteria but do it in an in a uh, organic way not in a synthetic way you know well so maybe we'll see that um something develop over time uh to to help um make all food more healthy i do think people steve i don't know about you but i feel like people are a lot more conscious about the food that they eat today um, you know, I, we, we had a, a, a friend who's, uh, was training to be a nutritionist and, uh, she came to our family and it was, I thought, I feel bad, but you know, she was telling us the orange food dye is like, it can make a kid's, uh, energy level go through the roof and makes them go crazy. And I sit in there as I'm feeding my kids Doritos, you know, like, oh, you mean these here? You know, as they're running around the house going crazy. But the idea is I think we're becoming more conscious about the food that we're eating. And, and as, well, that is you got to listen to the microbes are grown in a big vat, are fed organic matter and minerals to create these proteins. Scientists use small electrical pulses and specific increases in temperature to encourage Encourage the bacteria. That's Come on, there get you go, buddy. Come on, Come you on, can do buddy. it. You can do it. Encourage the bacteria to create them instead of other byproducts. So we want to encourage you to, you know, get that mold. Get that rah rah. Get that mold. That's right. That's it's very and if biblical. They don't do it. They give. I'm going to give you a little shot. <laughs> a shock. A I'll sh- shock you. I'm going to shock you and give you a shot That's right to the kisser, so you'll get that mold. Get that mold. <laughs> Cheerleaders. They're cheerleading the the. The bacteria. It's got to be good. After you eat that, you're eating things that have, yes, we're so happy we've defeated the mold. Do you think everybody that works in that lab is is optimistic <laughs> and excited like uh, we are? <laughs> I'm so excited. Educating microbes. It's uh, 
Probably a lot easier than when they educated me. Hey, well, I was going to say, or my kids or me too, you know, microbes, maybe they just do what they're supposed to do. So anyway, okay. Israeli scientists teach bacteria to preserve food safely. You can find you that. You can't make this stuff no, up. No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> are they in a classroom? What's going on? You know, they're sitting down, you know, open up your notebooks, bacteria, let's ba- get to baby work. Baby microbe goes to papa microbe. How is school today? Well, they, they, they gave us a little shot and they encouraged us to go against that mold. That's right. Good for you. That's right. And our teachers were really cheering us on. They love us. All right. So uh, that was uh, that you can find that news on our show notes. Uh, Steve, we got one more very interesting one. Oh, this is good, Chris. Yep. Because this raises a great discussion. This is conversational right here. Our listeners, I'm sure, will have an opinion. We'll turn anything into a conversation. We just talked about teaching bacteria. So this will be that's right. This is from the BBC. The headline, Australia reverses decision to recognize West Jerusalem as Israel is Israeli capital. And I'm I'm discouraged when I when I read that headline, I, that I just went not even I just went, "Oh, man." Yep. I, I you, you could say, "Oi, vey. What's this mean, Chris? This this means Oy th- mean. <laughs> This means that when we had a victory, when I thought there was a victory, is United- anything okay? <laughs> is anything okay? Is anything okay? Uh, we thought we, you know, the, the United States uh, took the action as leaders. Other nations followed. Australia is one of them. Uh, now they get a new prime minister. And uh, you know what? Maybe we were a bit too hasty. We still love Israel, but we're going to take it out. Yep. And I think this raises a discussion because, you know, we can't just assume as Americans, that uh, our embassy will always remain in Jerusalem. You know, uh, so far the Biden administration, which is definitely um, uh, more pro two-state solution, they probably would, if you know, if if Hillary Clinton would have won in 2020, um, and uh, I'm sorry, 2016, um, I'm sure that uh, it, the embassy would have never got uh, been moved to Jeru- to Jerusalem. I don't think the Biden administration would have moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Um, and so fortunately, Biden has kept it there. Um, but that doesn't mean that, Steve, in the future, a more progressive president, which I think we could potentially see one day a progressive president. Um, you've got Bernie Sanders, who's always just a uh, you know, uh, one one uh, you know one person stands between him and the Democratic Party and the presidency, and a lot of people like what he has to say. I he might move the embassy back to Tel Aviv. So, to me, Australia is a sign that we shouldn't just assume it's there for good, um, and that statements can be made and decisions can be made that would alter whether or not we believe Jerusalem is the eternal, undivided capital of the Jewish state. Well, you know. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid uh, responded to this, and I, I'm really glad the way he responded. And uh, in the article, it says, quote, In light of the way in which the decision was made in Australia, as a hasty response to an incorrect report in the media, we can only hope that the Australian government manages other matters more seriously and professionally. Wow. Mm-hmm. I like the way he worded that. Uh, there. Uh, it, it's just sad. Uh, Australia Penny Wong, who's the foreign minister, said this. She stressed that Australia remained a steadfast friend to Israel. Oh yeah, its embassy will stay in Tel Aviv. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know how friendly could it be? Seriously, how friendly could it be when after you've decided to move it there, you're now saying no, we're moving it 
out of there. Yep, exactly. And still say you're their friend. That 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 just doesn't make sense. You know, I, I'm a lot of times what can happen is we can import the way that we think about politics into the way Israelis think. Um, you know, when we, when we talk about uh, on the conservative end in politics here in the United States, we we believe m- most conservatives believe that uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and that's where the embassy should be. Um, uh, but, you know, there are liberals that think differently and definitely progressives. What's funny is whether you're a progressive in Israel uh, or a liberal or a conservative or ultra-orth, you know, or religious, uh, a lot—most of them on the spectrum, a vast majority believe Jerusalem is our capital, and this is where the embassy should be. So Yair Lapid is a liberal— he is a liberal Israeli politician, and so um, that's he, why it's so encouraging that, to hear that statement that he wrote. That was great. That's right. This is coming from a liberal because most liberals, even in is in Israel, go, "No, this is our capital. It's foolish that you're not here." Um, but they're trying to make each country is trying to make their own political statement by they're ultimately saying, "Oh, you're our friend, but we actually don't think that's your capital." So that's that's right. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Problem. Real All right. Problem. Well, Steve. Oh, wrong button. All right, everyone, Yiddish word of the day, Yiddish word of the day. And I want you, Chris, I want you to reveal the Yiddish word of the day today because I was in a meeting all day and didn't even know that uh, what the Yiddish word was. And when we sat down, I asked you, Chris, what is the Yiddish word of the day? Yiddish word of the day is schlamiel. I love that (laughs) word. Schlamiel. Steve Schlemiel. You know what a Schlemiel? You know what a Schlemiel is. Uh, do I know what a Schlemiel <laughs> Sometimes is? Sometimes I'm a Schlemiel. I've been a Schlemiel all my life. That's right. Uh, in fact, we heard once a prayer of for Rabbi Schlemiel. You know, we all <laughs> we know about Schlemiels. Schlemiel is a fool. Somebody who puts his foot in his mouth. Somebody who... Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's what the Israelis sound like when they're encouraging the bacteria and teaching them. Boy, that word has worked for all parts of our podcast. Yay at the beginning, yay in the middle, and yay right that's now. Right. Well, Kanye, we want to move you from Shlemiel to a mensch. But we believe you can be redeemed from a Shlemiel to a mensch. Uh, but right now you're acting like a Shlemiel by being a fool, by by doubling down on anti-Semitic, just most blatant forms of anti-Semitism. So right now your status is Shlemiel, but we believe you can move to mensch if you, if you turn away from all that stuff. Per- Chris, we don't have to say anything more. We that's, don't. That's as perfect as it gets. Okay. You know why we are like that, Steve? Because we are not the cancel culture. You you know why? Because we should have been canceled. The <laughs> Christians should, every human should have been canceled by God the moment Adam sinned. That's true. And we, we don't cancel people because we believe that through repentance and turning in faith to the Lord Jesus, he forgives anybody for their sins because that Jesus doesn't even cancel us. Like you said, hanging from the cross, Jesus said to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They should have been canceled by God, and even Jesus said, forgive them. So we believe in forgiveness and reconciliation, and so we we want the best. We call upon that. Yeah, we do. We do. And so that's why we wanted to pray. But let's move, well, let's pray that we he moves from Shlemiel to Mensch, okay? Amen. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining the Jew and Gentile podcast. Fresh reminder, okay? This is just a reminder right now, because I know that you're watching on your computer. 
I know that you're listening on your tablet or your cell phone. I know you're there because that's the only place you can listen to this. So you can go to your website right now and go to foiequip.org and you can sign up for the classes that we're going to have this fall on Christians supporting Israel. Again, by going to foiequip.org. Come listen to Daryl Heading from the ICEJ. Come listen to Paul Pierce talk about Zionism, the biblical and political motives of Zionism. And also, do not forget, we're going to have David Brog on. You can sign up at foiequip.org. Well, Chris, before they go, remember the four stages of Jewish exercise. That's right. Stretch, fetch, schwitz, and plots. We'll see you later, everybody.